special episode of Epic Experiment Podcast. It's episode 121. I'm your host, Bruce, and I'm joined on the line once again by Lux. Lux, how are you now? I am doing good. I am, I basically, in the yesterday, I came back from doing something very interesting and spicy. Well, okay, now you got to tell us, right? You can't just leave us all hanging there, my man. What did you do that was spicy? Did you have a burrito? Like, burritos can be spicy. I don't think that's the spice you meant, though. <laughs> so, Lux, what did you get up to? Help me out. Help out our audience. Lux, did you mute yourself? <laughs> you did for something. You gave you're teasing us there, Lux. <laughs> oh no. Already audio issues. So much editing. <laughs> there we go. Alright, Lux, you're back. What did you do that was spicy? Like imagine my surprise, like I'm sitting there in at the counter at the LGS and in comes one of our regulars with three booster boxes. Oh, now we're talking. Okay, are we talking like new boxes or old boxes? These were relatively old boxes. They weren't all the same set, but they were part of the same block. And it's a block I'm pretty sure. It's a block that I'm pretty sure all of you veteran players know very well and must have really loved. Well, I mean. Here, if you're here listening to us on our podcast, it means you probably are fairly newish to the game. Like, and by that, I mean in the last 10 years. Because at this point, we're going back to Return to Ravnica. That's 10 years ago. Um, talking like Ravnica block, like Return to Ravnica block? Or are we talking older than that? And older than that, I'm talking Scars and Mirrodin, Mirrodin Besieged, and New Phyrexia. Dude, that's so old. Like, those are so, that's cool. That is cool, but those sets are not, like, new. They're old. Those are 10 years old now. Those are old boxes. Good for your buddy yeah. for having those. And um, see, they, they, here's the best part. He didn't want to do just anything with them. He wanted to draft with them. Well, and he wanted to hold the draft at RS. Well, I was going to say, that's what you do with the box. You draft that stuff. You don't go and open that for value and pop it. That's dumb. You get your value from the draft, and then you decide if you want to let people buy into the box and like t- keep their cards, or you take the cards back, and then you can buy a list or sell whatever you want to sell. So, so you get the value from the entertainment value from cracking the packs for drafting purposes, and then you can either get the money back or you can like whatever. So anyway, that's pretty cool. I that's fun. I'm like I, I'm stoked that you got to do that. Um, I don't think enough people get to draft, go back and draft old sets in paper enough anymore, so I think that's pretty exciting. Good for you. And how did you do? We did six rounds, and I went into four and two. You draft, you played six rounds? Yep. You guys are monsters. Like, good for you, but you guys are monsters. Like, that should have been three, maybe four. Depending on the number of people playing. Like, was it eight, or were you talking, or did you have two pods? 
and we had two different pods and they and after three you know, rounds and they we switched oh is that what you did oh okay well i mean four and two is a pretty good record good for you sir uh okay what was the best card you pulled in your pack or your packs <clears throat> well and like scars and mirrored and besiege were kind of relatively and like okay but it was the new phyrexia pack that really had the spiciness and like i ended up pulling me a born Clux voice of hunger nice yeah baby that we're talking love it that is good fun nice good clean fun there um so what is a soul what is a foreign collects worth these days foreign collects i can't spell foreign collects voice of hunger is still a you know almost 18 dollar card um so yeah that's not that's not insignificant although hard to cast because it's so big but anyway yeah cool stuff I'm pumped for you, my friend. That's fun. Well done. Well done. Otherwise, how was life treating you down in Texas? Yeah, pretty good. And then we're starting to get into the cooler side of things now. Like the high today was only 68 Fahrenheit. Oh. Well, I mean, at least that's pleasant. Like that's a, that's a. Relatively, like in the morning time, the last few in a days, and it's been like in the lower to mid fifties. Well, I'm not going to talk because usually it's below freezing in the morning here. So, uh, you know, we've had we've had a reasonably warm weekend and start of this week. So, like it was 20 degrees, over 20 degrees Celsius, which is like 70 Fahrenheit on both Saturday and Sunday, and again monday and tuesday as well to the point where i'm wearing shorts again um people were up in the at the parking lot of the supermarket like sh with shirt sleeves on like just hanging out talking to each other having a coffee instead of like bundled up and running for their cars because baltic and below zero so um i'll take the warmer so, weather <laughs> so because i mean they down here in texas they people like to mock us because and they I mean, you think that's cool? Wait until you go up north. Hey, they, this is Texas. We're relatively warm down here. Like anything below 60 is cold to us. No, I, I appreciate that much. And uh, and it's funny because I always think it's funny because I'm like, yeah, I'm in Canada. It's frozen like half the year. And <laughs> so I won't invite you up here from like like Halloween through till April because you'll just be freezing, my friend. So... <laughs> anyway all right let's get on with this show tonight we got lots to do all right so uh as always don't forget if you like what you hear on the show every week uh you can always find out all our back episodes on the lotuscouncil.com even last week's which i did solo and i i don't know how i turned it out in 30 minutes but anyway 30 minutes of podcast from last week anyway uh so if you like what you hear check us out the lotuscouncil.com there's also lots of other great things at the lotus council uh, including deck techs or videos or uh, pack openings, a Twitch stream. Uh, the Discord is by far and away the best asset, though. The Discord is a great community where people love to get on there and talk, all things magic. Uh, you can have lots of great people to bounce ideas off for that next deck of yours, or you can set up playing in person um, over, well, over Spell Table uh, and get some, some games in if that's what you'd like. So... All good. Come and check out the lowest council .com. 
Uh, tell them Bruce and Luck say hi, and uh, you'll, uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed. All right, so come and check it out for yourself. Also, we just got over episode 120, which means it's time to give stuff away. So, we have, we still have the bootlegger stash that Lux had from the last time we did this that we never gave away. And I don't know how we didn't do it, but we didn't do it, did we, Lux? No, we did not. So, we still got the bootlegger stash available for somebody to give away, and we have a pack of MH2. All right, so I ended up I ended up picking up a draft pack of MH2. It's sitting over there on my shelf. I can see it right now, and that's the same set. Uh, Modern Horizons Two has got a Ragavan in it. It's got all those uh, elemental cycles that, with Evoke that are so 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 broken. Uh, there's so many very good cards in MH2, uh, and you can win a pack listening to us on the show. And all you got to do is stick around to the end of the show to find out how you can win. All right. Um, all right. Should we get on with the show? Yep. All right. So this week's show is broken into three segments. We're going to have our garbage are great. And then we got some, uh, current discussions about stuff and things. And then we got a deck tonight, which is yet another deck from Dominary United. Oh no, it's not. I didn't do that. I did Timoret. Um, and we'll talk about why I did Timoret in a second here. So here we go. Um, this week's Garbage or Great is Timoret Chosen from Death, which is one of the cards that people, I think, overlooked significantly from Theros Beyond Death, in part because it was hot trash. But um, I think this card is not as bad as people might discuss, so here, let's read it for you. So for Black Black, you get uh, a two-star creature. So the star is, or his toughness, two is his power, and Timurit's toughness is equal to the, its devotion to black, which is very similar to Daxos, um, the, 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 the equivalent white creature from um, the same set. And then has an ability, one and a black, exile to two target creatures from graveyards. You gain one life for each creature card exiled this way. So, Lux, is this card garbage or is this card great? And honestly, I actually feel like it has the potential to be something great. Dude, me too. Like, I think the card is I think the card is actually secretly great. Now, let's talk about what the community thinks. The community doesn't like this card. The community has this card uh, as as the commander in only 60 decks. Alright, which makes it like 1541st deck or commander of all things. Uh, as a card, it appears in 4,700 decks, which is okay, I suppose, but I still feel it's probably underplayed based on what this can do. So what do you think? Like, why do you think this card could actually be sneaky great? Starters, you know, they, there's the devotion to black, and they, this can really go well, and they... Also, they, they can basically just do well in any black deck. Um, well, if you're playing a black devotion deck, and this counts like for two pips, so when when Gary comes down, you're going to like just dome your opponents. So like this card just puts black uh, black pips on the battlefield, and that alone is good. All right, so you can do a lot of a lot of gross things. But I like the fact that this has got graveyard hate on a creature. And it doesn't tap. So you can do a lot of gross things 
to eat a graveyard or to or remove troublesome permanence from somebody's graveyard all in the process of like triggering an infinite combo with veto or sanguine bond and exquisite blood which if you're playing mono black and you're playing some sort of life gain deck um that's exactly what your deck's going to do so i think timoret's actually like a very good card now let's look at the cards that is played with uh top cards it plays uh, high synergy pieces. Um, uh, there's G Black Merchant or Gray Merchant of Asphodel. Um, really, I'm not seeing. Huh. What about enchantments? Yeah, there's a Sanguine Bond. There's things like. Yeah. So, I think the card's actually pretty good. Also, I don't know if you've noticed, Third Lux, but those new uh, Warhammer 40k decks. The Necron deck is mono black and would love this sort of effect. Yes, it would. And speaking of the Necron deck, I am actually looking for it right now. Nice. I think I was going to build the, Imper they, the Imperium deck. I was going to pick up the Imperium deck. And that seems well, like they, good fun, too. See, they, the thing is, though, is like, I have to find it first because they literally, when the 40k decks in, they in hit our store shelves. The Necron deck was gone within minutes. Oh, I totally believe you because we're waiting for restocks, restocks up here too. So no, absolutely, that they've been very popular, and they've been and the but the decks are very good too. So you're paying. I know up here we're paying almost eighty five dollars Canadian for one of those decks, uh, which is a little higher than normal. But I think for the playability, I think it's worth it. So, um, but because like, it's like it's just like it's so satisfying seeing pre con decks. That are actually playable and be good. Absolutely, I agree a hundred percent. Because um, I find like we we spent a lot of time on this show um, being very negative around the the preconstructed decks for Dominary United. I don't think they were very good. I think they gave us a lot of um, questionable reprints, not a lot of value, and decks that required a lot of upgrading for them to be really playable out of the box. Um, and so I don't, with the Warhammer 40k decks, you didn't really need to do that from the looks of things. It looks like they're really quite quite strong. And Timoret is sort of like something that goes right in that sort of strategy. Um, and because they're, they're heavy creature strategies and all those 40k decks, like I think they're all cre heavy creature-based, right? Like the Tyranid, yep. the Imperium, the Necron, they're all... They want to put creatures on the board and do stuff this sort yeah. of graveyard hate <laughs> is super crucial to keeping your opponents down or else somebody's going to get all their all that value back out of their graveyard and make a mess of the things so yeah and they not to mention they they to all the new players out there who are probably unfamiliar with like the concept of devotion they basically they they give it says mentions any color that your devotion to that specific color. They, it's referring to the mana symbols. They they take Tamurit, for example. They, that's basically two for his casting costs and then an extra one black for the mana ability that he has. That's basically three devotion right there. Uh, I don't think it counts the mana in the text box. Like I'm pretty sure that uh, the 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 devotion is counted by just the car the man in the in the costing cost, my friend. We'll double check with the judge, but I I'm pretty certain it only goes with the 
the uh, the mana in the in the casting cost. Well, I may have been lied to then. I think you may have because I'm pretty sure the act like those activation costs are not are contributing towards your devotion. But I will double check with the judge, and we will double and we will come back to that thought next week next week to in, to get keep everybody up to date on what actually should happen with uh, devotion because maybe I'm wrong too. Uh, maybe I've been playing it wrong for years too, but I think it counts the mana pips in the in the converted mana cost, not in the text box. However, we'll find out. But yeah, at the very least, it's two. And when you play Black Great Merchant of Asphodel, you're coming down with two more right away, and you're zoning everybody for four. And there's lots of other great devotion cards to play, like I don't know a Bolus of Citadel, a Bolus of Citadel, which would be silly. Lich's Mastery, which is silly. Lich's Mastery and this are great. Oh, why did I not think of that? Lich's Mastery in this. Triple black. Three and triple black. You gain a life, you draw a card. So you activate Timoret to draw cards. Like, you exile their stuff. You, so you eat their graveyard. Lich's Mastery makes you draw... Oh, Yes. That's sweet tech. I like that. Oh. So, anyway. I think the card's great. Lux, what about you? And I think it's great, too. And it's 10 cents, everybody. It's 10 cents. Go and spend a dime. Pick up your pick up your, your Timorets and put them in your mono black decks. End of story. Bruce and Lux say, good one. All right. So, all right. Uh, let's move on to some, uh, some, uh, updates on things and other happenings in the world of Commander. So, Lux, have you seen these new starter Commander decks that are going to be coming out, uh, later, later this year? Looks like in December, I believe, December 2nd, 2022, we start getting these, uh, these pre-constructed, uh, they're essentially considered to be starting decks to help players learn to play the game as I learned to play through Commander. Have you had a chance to look at these? I haven't. I, I have seen the previews for them, but not the deck lists. Okay. So, essentially, they're all reprints. I'm not sure there's any new cards in these. Like, looking through the lists, I don't actually see a new card amongst any of them. Um, which I suppose is fine. But, hmm, hmm. So we have a blue-white deck, which is Spurious Supreme Judge, um, which is a blue-white Flyers deck. There is uh, Gisa and Giralf, who are uh, blue-black zombies. And then we have a Carter Doom Scourge, which is a black-red make-everything-attack deck, I guess? I don't know. The black-red deck looks like a mess. Um... And then we have red green dragons with a Tarka world render. And then we also have uh, green white tokens with Amara Soul of the Accord. Um, I would argue, like, these look like fine products. At 25 bucks, like, they're okay. But let's, like, use the example of the commander of the blue white deck Asperia, Supreme Judge. Two white, white, blue, blue. Legendary Creature Sphinx. Flying. 
Whenever a creature attacks you or a planeswalker you control, you may draw a card. To me, that doesn't strike me as being a new player mechanic, Lux. What do you think? And honestly, not really. Like, to have a deck where you're looking to essentially have your opponents attack you so that you can draw cards is actually a rather, um, I would say, difficult strategy to implement. And I would not be too keen to try and be the guy who's going to try and trigger that. I also don't think, like, like, uh, Carter Doomscourge is at all a new player card. Like, not even a little bit. Because lots of people don't know what to do with this card. So when Carter Doomscourge enters the battlefield under your control, creatures your opponents control attack each combat, if able, and attack a player other than you, if able. So it, like, goads the table once, and then it does a thing. But, like, that doesn't seem like an intuitive gameplay. Am I, am, am I wrong, Lex? So, like, does, is this card a simple card to use? And honestly, no, it's not, because, like, even back when I first started playing, knowing that Return Ravnica came around today, it took me a while to figure out and like, how to like, properly use this card and make it work. Well, Asperia, yeah, and then Carter, same thing. Um, and, like, Atarka, like, Atarka is, like, like, just using Atarka alone, like, Double Strike is not intuitive to people. I'm just sorry. Um, like, the keywords are fine, but, like, that secondary ability is not necessarily straightforward. And then looking at the rest of the deck, like, every deck has a Planeswalker, which I've taught people to play with, play games. And I don't know if I would start with a Planeswalker, even these simplified ones. Like, Odd Nixel is here, like, it's a fine card, but, like, I'm not, like, I'm trying to explain to somebody what a Planeswalker is, it's not easy, because they're just trying to learn them. Like, if this is truly a starter product, then a new player is just trying to learn the basics of tap my mana, cast my spells, make my creatures attack, and... You know, then you have a few things like some interaction, like a chaos warp or or a, or a braid or something to, you know, remove a few things. But I don't know, man. Like some of these cards are, are not straight. Like, I was gonna mention that they seeing they all the so-called starter product we've been getting over the last few years, which is relatively not that much. It really makes me miss the old introducts that we used to get with sets. Yeah, I, I kind of do too. Or, like, I I don't know. I, I know what they're trying to do here. They're trying to tap into like a existing format that is very, very, very popular with the community and Commander and use it as a way to onboard players. But, like, the cards are not simple. Like, Brash Taunter is not a straightforward card. Like, it just isn't. Like, Indestructible is not a mechanic that is easy to grasp. Like, people, like, it's like, how do you explain to somebody that you can exile his Brash Taunter even when it says indestructible? Like, I can still kill it with his yeah. sword supply share. Like, I don't know, man. Like, 
like that basically be the same thing like taking like my Nethroid deck for example and trying to pass it off as something for beginners. Yeah. So I don't like I I think this is a perfect product for someone who's never played Commander before. Like I think that's what this is for. Yeah. Not to onboard someone who's never played the game before. Like I don't think this serves the purpose of a new it's... a new player experience. Because see, they to like onboard the new players to the game, they, they really should bring back something like the intro decks because they that's how I got my introduction to the game was yeah. through the intro deck. I, I agree. I think people should be like like yeah, I think so. I or something else. Like this is not the product, I don't think. Like, they're fine and I and I like the price point. At twenty five bucks, like it'd be I I can definitely imagine a night where you know, I get three or four of my buddies together, and we don't want to play our our top decks or something like we want to play something kind of goofy and play something where where we're all assured to be at the same power level. Like this might be like the perfect a perfect option. You pull out a set of these that you bought for a hundred bucks, and then everyone gets their deck and plays. Right? Like I think that might be like perfect, but. Yeah, I don't know, man. Kind of like, no. I mean, they're fine. At twenty five bucks, are good. Like, it's a good. It's a, I think it's a good val, a good value for your twenty five bucks. You're gonna get something you can play and enjoy. But I think there's gonna for the enfranchised player, it's not gonna do what we want it to do. And I think for a new player, it's not really gonna do what a new player wants to do either, because of the fact that you know there's a little bit too much complexity for a new player to to to, to play this. So, anyway, just my thought. Any other thoughts on it, Lux, or is that pretty much it? Because they, what I was going to mention though, like with the introdex, is that the whole point behind those was that the like, standard was like the best format to introduce new players to, because right. like it was the most. Like it was the most simple format. That way they could get a feel for the game first, and then they start branching out, exploring other formats like Modern, Commander. Yeah. Things. So I think I actually don't think Standard is the is the right place to introduce. I'm people just saying though, is that you know, they they in terms of like decks themselves, you know, like yeah, intro deck, yeah, yeah. and because they they back in like Kaladesh, they phased those out for Planeswalker decks. And those didn't really do so well. No, they're so they phased out, those out, and then we started getting the commander decks for each set, and then they yeah. phased those out. Well, no, we haven't phased it out. We're just getting different stuff now. But no, I is that they still like they need to find something like the intro decks that would be perfect for new players. They yeah, basically they do they like, simple because they. Even in modern, there are like cards from sets that are simple and be perfect for new players. Yeah, oh, no argument here. No argument here. They do something for sure because it is definitely a problem to say the least. All right. Ah, oh, next, let's move to talking about some drafting that we have both done. So you you talked briefly about how your scars block draft went. Um, and I was drafting Cube, uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend uh, previously, um, about, uh, and I, I drafted Cube. And so 
I think it would be good for us to talk about what, not so much like what, how we fared. Like that's not the point. It's not we're not having bad beat stories or 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 like humble brags. Talk about what we learned from the draft experiences because there's definitely things that we can take from other formats, particularly limited, and take the, what we learned and apply it to what we do with Commander. And it's interesting to have the dichotomy of Lux having just done Scar's block draft and me having done Cube draft to talk about what we sort of experienced. So, Lux, what do you think you learned from drafting Scar's block with your buddies the other day? Well, one thing I learned is just they how much more powerful and they grossly unbalanced they the game has become then they in scars block yes like we had really powerful cards but they were balanced so they there were ways to nerf them they they ensure they wizard of the coast ensured that there were not game breaking combos that you could they exploit they compare that to nowadays where they Basically, the game-breaking combos dominate every scene. Well, I'm not sure about game-breaking combos, but definitely there's... I would say there's probably more value built into the, a current... More value and synergy built into a current draft format at a higher power level than what you were, you, you were getting in Scar's Block, which was printed in 2011 and 2012. So it's over 10 years old, folks. Like, the Magic Design team has come a long way since then. So I, it's, not, it's understandable things have started to change, for sure. Anything else you took, Lux? And of course, on a, on a side note is another thing I learned, is that some players don't seem to understand the value in drafting. Um, in what sense? Basically, when we got to our third pack, which was New Phyrexia, imagine my surprise when the person to the right of me passes their pack, and lo and behold, the rare is still in there. Well, I mean... Not, like, not only is it a rare, but to be a foil rare. It was a uh, foil pod. A foil birthing pod? What? Yes. They, seriously, the person to the right of me they no and they they left the foil and the rare in there they i forget what the actual the rare was but they like like yeah they basically oh. they here's the thing you no know, they, they passed up a foil birthing pod in favor of a psychic barrier are you kidding me no i am not that they literally did that that player should be ashamed of themselves okay audience here's the problem with this pick okay and like look many of you are disciplined drafters if you maybe you draft on arena or maybe you draft on mtgo or maybe you draft in person like every week on at fnm let's have a conversation though you had a birthing pod now birthing pod is three generic and a phyrexian mana you can activate it for one and a, and a Phyrexian green. Meaning, you can put it in every single deck. Unquestioned. And 
So there's no reason not to draft it. There's no reason not to draft it. And when this guy decides to not draft it and drafts an absolute horrendous piece of garbage card that he probably could have got last pick because he's probably cut off blue hard enough if that's what he's picking, that nobody else wanted blue at the, at the table. How, how correct am I, Lux, that nobody else in the pod went blue? And they mostly most of the people in my pod and they they were going single color. They I was in going and they I basically went simic. How did you have blue cards? You must have like, like anyway. That's other neither here nor there. Okay, so this dude drafted a blue card, which was trash, and inadvertently passed. Very powerful, I would say, for birthing pod. One of the top 10 cards in the set, sorry, in the block, power-wise. He passed a top 10 card for a junk common. He could have got 14th pick. And inadvertently gave you a much stronger deck, which I would argue is a problem from a standpoint of, um, if you think, presume that everybody's deck is more or less equitable in terms of strengths assuming you all drafted from the same pod that's just embarrassing like i'm sorry now and i noticed at this point folks we haven't even mentioned the 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 cost differential between a psychic barrier and a foil birthing pod a foil birthing pod is 45 dollars 45 dollars and that's so ridiculous. Like, even if you only use Birthing Pod once in the game because you don't want to spend the life to activate it because you're not playing green, you can still do it. You can still activate it. You can still get value of it and turn your bad creature into a better one. Like, there's no reason not to play it. That is just patently poor card evaluation or someone who's too rigid in his thinking he doesn't want to give it up and want like move off like his blue strategy. God grief. So that's embarrassing. Now I gotta ask you a question, Lux. How what was your experience with Phyrexian mana? And honestly, they I've actually enjoyed it. Because they like it allows you to do things that regular mana doesn't. Well, yeah, because you have access to cards of different colors. Um, probably because, like, like birthing hall, birthing pod, for instance, you could put that in any color combination. Obviously, it's best in green, but you can play in any color combination and derive really good value from it. Yeah, drink of water here, but anyway. Um, yeah, I know. So, yeah, like, because my experience with, like, Phyrexian Mana just seems like a pretty broken mechanic. And I've never played a lot with Phyrexian Mana. And I'm kind of glad we don't play. There isn't a lot of it that's survived from that era of Magic, because I think it's pretty broken. 
And as we've seen the power level of sets increase, could you only imagine if Brexy Mana had persisted as the regular mechanic in the game? Right? Like, they've kind of done that with the, the, the Defiler cycle in um, Dominaria United. It, like, calls back to, like, the Phyrexian mana sort of idea. But I think it's, like, super broken. And the more we power creep the cards with things like Okos or Uros or Croxas or, you know, other, you know, humongous haymakers... Uh, that we had for, you know, two years. I honestly don't want to think about Uro with Phyrexian mana. I know, it would be so broken. And he was gross enough already. I know. So, let's... So, like, imagine, like, imagine, you no, know, like, with Phyrexian mana. Repeat that with who? Like, Omnath. Ooh. Ooh. I am, and I kind of like it, but I kind of don't like it. If you know what I mean. So let's do a thought experiment here, Lux. Let's go look at EDH Rex top 50 cards. Oh, sorry, top 100 cards. And play a game where we remove one mana from the casting cost. Kind of the way you would do if you're playing Phyrexian mana. So let's ask you, would you play a Sol Ring, which is the number one card, incidentally, Sol Ring if it were free? You had to spend two life instead. Well, yeah, but considering what you get out of that card. Yeah, yeah. Playing it for free sounds ridiculous. So, yeah, Sol Ring for free. Arcane Signet, one mana to cast it. And yeah, So instead of paying two mana, you pay one mana and two life. Are you going for it? Yes. Yeah, okay, good. Um, let's try another card, like maybe Cultivate. If you had Cultivate for one and a green, go for it. I look at that card again because I forget what Cultivate does. But you, but you go put two lands, one, one, will, one goes right on the battlefield, one goes in your hand. So if you can spend rampant growth mana, but instead of getting one basic, you're getting two, don't you do that every time? Basically, I would, because yeah. they, they, if I'm playing the right colors, and I, I can easily just gain that life back. Yeah. Now, we have things like interaction, like Source of Plowshares and Path to Exile, which could legitimately be free. You spend two life and path their thing. So you have interaction, you always have interaction open if you, if they, if you remove the mana. Like, if you had, if, in this hypothetical world. Like, that's, that to me is silly. Like, like, Essentially giving Source of Plowshares a path to Exiles, like, Force of Will impact. Like, that's dumb. Super dumb. Lux? Cyclonic Rift for a single blue mana. <laughs> um, like, now uh, you have Unsummon. You have an Unsummon that can be a six mana Psych Psy Rift. Like, that's so broken. Like, oh my god. Uh, heroic intervention for a, for a single green mana. That sounds that awesome. Has to be, they, seriously, the heroic intervention had to have been one of my favorite cards from Aether Revolt. Yeah, uh, demonic tutor for a single mana. Okay, that's disgusting. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, let's try this. Okay, let's... Bruce. They, I'm sorry. Like, I have ambition for Rexia now. <laughs> so, like, like this is this is the problem we run into with Phyrexia mana. Like, these are the most popular cards played in our in our format. And I think, like, if we were to play the game of like, let's play play like, Cassie's for Phyrexian mana, like like where we can spend life instead of mana, you go, geez, Louise, these cards are not only power like already good they are ridiculously good so yeah i'm just gonna like looking here oh my goodness teferi's protection for two mana like that's ridiculous your dock siding for one for one mana that's ridiculous so anyway you get you get the gist everybody of just how broken phyrexian mana can be uh, and probably one of the reasons why they've really shied away from it um, and not really been keen to, you know, bring it back too frequently. Um, and also... I can see they, that's what I was talking about, how like, they were balancing things out because they, in the Scars block, they realized in, like, how disgusting Phyrexian mana was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe. It's, and on top of that, like... You have the situation where now, like, on top of the, just the raw power of cards, you also have cards that would have a Phyrexian mana that just, like, broke the color pie. That you could just put things anywhere and just do silly stuff with them. So, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm glad you, like, you had a chance to draft it. I think it reminds us how far magic development has come in the last 20, in the last 10 years um, from Scar's Block. And I know there's some really powerful cards from Scar's Block that get everyone's everyone's attention, but um, I do think for a fact that there's probably, you know, a little bit too much, a little too, we've gone a little bit for, too far for most of the cards from Scar's Block to really be relevant too frequently. But um, the mechanic of Phyrexian mana. If that were ever to get reintroduced on a large scale, it would be ridiculous. I think that's my own thought. And like with the upcoming in a set of Brothers War, and then Phyrexia all will be one. We could potentially see a return to Phyrexian mana on a large scale. Yeah, which is one of those things that makes people a little bit worried. Um, I think Wizards has learned a valuable lesson from Scar's block generally. And so we, I don't think we're going to see too much of that, but you're right, certainly right, we could, for sure. All right, um, now, I had a similar experience. I went drafting. I drafted Cube. Uh, and if you haven't, aren't familiar with Cube, uh, Cube is a repeatable draft format where the cards have been curated. So I think my brother has <laughs> got 540-card uh, Cube that's premised and based off the MTGO Vintage Cube. So he's got um, a deck, a cube that's got all the power nine um, in in there. So Moxon and Black Lotus and Time Walks and all the stuff there, along with tons of other really powerful cards. Um, some of the most powerful cards the game has ever printed. And I think it's important that people get a chance to draft cube once in a while. Beyond the fact that it's just insanely fun. Lux, have you ever had a chance to draft cube anywhere? I actually have not. It is wild fun, everybody. It's one of the most like most enjoyable things that I have ever done playing Magic. But 
um, you put you get a chance to plot to try out and play with some of the most most powerful and explosive spells in the game to try and turn them into to see if they're really all they're cracked up to be. Because some of the old cards that are banned and restricted, I would argue, probably aren't very good. Um, or, or, you know, probably feels like you should be not playing them as frequently as people do. So, can I just use provide an example of this, Alex? So, my example was the card Channel, which, uh, in one of my drafts, I was the big mana ramp deck um, for Eldrazi and Ugin. That was my top end, so I was like Emrakul and Ulamog, and I think I had both Ulamogs, or, and then, uh, oh no, I had two, I had two Emrakuls, like both of the Emrakuls, and I had an Ulamog, and I had an Ugin uh, as my top end of my draft. And I, ha I picked a channel, thinking, okay, I can turn my life points into mana to get my big Eldrazi monster on the battlefield and get my opponents that way. Um, however, every time I cast channel, I lost the game because um, there's so many other powerful cards running around the format, similar to Commander, where we have lots of powerful things running around, that I would channel and spend enough of my life points to drop my life total down far enough that I would then be susceptible to dying fairly easily. Um, great example would be when I, like, I spent, you know, I was at 15 life, I spent 8 to cast an Ugin, and you'd think, well, sure, I'm going to wipe the board away, and then my opponent plays a hasty creature, kills Ugin, and I'm up a creek again. So, wasn't a huge fan of Channel, kind of reaffirms my belief that spending that much life to get, um, you know, the that much mana to do something is probably not overly useful and so not a huge fan of like for instance the card channel um also um it gives you a chance to draft different archetypes and, and different ways that you wouldn't normally play um because there are so many ways to take the take the 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 the, the cube uh, so there's artifact decks, and you can play any two color combination. There's a black green deck, a red blue deck, a, black, a white a white a white deck, and, and there's monocolored to boot. Um, and so you can do a lot of things with um, with that sort of strategies are open ended, and try very different strategies and different different archetypes. In draft one this this time, Lear Lux, I drafted like I said the big old Drazi ramp, and I didn't win a match. Like, no, not a match. I got spanked by all the other guys who were playing. So when we went back to draft a second time, um, I ended up drafting far more disciplined. I drafted, like, a low-to-the-ground red-blue beats deck. It's kind of like the Fun Police. And I just stopped all the fun dead in their tracks. I think it was a great, uh, you know, just a, a great opportunity to try that sort of red strategy that I don't usually run. Um, I reaffirmed I don't really want to run it in Commander, but you can, do, you can see the power of, you know, that sort of aggressive blue-red tempo deck that's going to assist you in just getting people dead fast. Um, I think Lux, it also really normalized playing with proxies. 
So my brother doesn't have all the original cards. He's got some originals, but let's be real. A Black Lotus is very expensive. So consequently, like, I don't expect people to buy Black Lotuses for their cubes. People should have proxies. So does Wizards. Wizards thinks you should have proxies. Wizards is now selling four booster packs that are full of proxies for $1,000 in a few weeks' time. So, why shouldn't the rest of us just play with proxies, too? Right, Lux? Yeah. Like, heck, I bought proxies tonight before for my deck I'm building because I don't want to go spend $150 or whatever a, a Force of Will is. Let's find out what a Force of Will is. Force of Will is... $100. Yeah, I don't want to spend $100 to $110 on a Force of Will. So, I'm not. I spent $6 on a Force of Will. It's just normalized playing with... with, uh, with it's normalized playing with proxies. That's all it does. It's, which is totally, totally okay. And last but not least, Lux, have you seen this card, Lelia the Blade Reforged? You're not... She's nuts. She's nuts. She comes down with haste, and she starts exiling cards for you to draw and puts counters on herself. She's a snowball that draws you cards, dude. She's so good. She's nuts. Silly good. So, yeah, Lelia the Blade Reforged did a lot of work. Did a lot of killing. Killed a lot of things and a lot of people. So, look out for Lelia. Um, there's also a really interesting Lelia the Blade Reforged deck on a recent episode of uh, Command Zone. I don't remember which, whether it was their extra turns or their game nights, but there's a cool Lelia deck that you may want to check out um, because it is very interesting and, and very timely, really. So, anyway. All right. Lux, anything else you want to... Any other lessons you took from either... A Q, a Q draft or your scars block draft? I mean, honestly, they all that this just proves to me is that they keep seeing it even on YouTube. There are still channels dedicated to simple pack cracking, they just opening sealed product. There yep. is so much more value in drafting. Yes, agreed. And that's one of the nice parts about about the game you can get so much value from a box there are so many ways to play and get your entertainment dollar out of your purchase you can and, see like white crack packs can see like that only provides the like, temporary in you know, entertainment that you can get so much more entertainment out of drafting absolutely i think there's a lot of value in drafting and encouraging people to come and try it out you don't have to be a great you don't be a great player but you can come and try it out and yeah, no, I agree. I agree. All right, should we move on to a deck? Yep. So, folks, like I said, uh, we talked about Timurette earlier in the show. So here's a Timurette deck. Um, I'm one of the only sixty people on the planet, apparently, who built who have built a Timurette deck. So the deck here, folks, is a little expensive. All right, there's no other way to put it. But a lot of the value in the deck gets sunk in, sunk in the enchantments. Um, so you have Exquisite Blood, uh, which is a Sanguine Bond, which are both, you know, 
medium expensive. Um, so that's the thing. Um, because you're playing... Um, wait a second. Be oh, yes. So, yeah. Sorry. Um, you're playing Tainted Blood, and you're playing... Be playing where to go again? I just lost the card. Ah, I'm losing the cards there, Lux. Exquisite Blood, and um, you're playing Sanguine Bond so that you can trigger them off of um, you can trigger off Timurat, um, which is you know pretty good. Vito does the same thing, um, but we'll have to see how that all plays out. And then there's a lot of other cards in here that you know do a lot of work in terms of um, just sort of helping people use the life gain or either gaining more life or whatever so um you have a pontiff of blight which is when you cast spells you're going to gain life Ooh. and then when you gain life you're obviously your sanguine bond triggers and you're going to be doing damage to your opponents um so yeah no it just seems good if you're going to be presumably laying of the beating on people with like other black things, you have a abhorred overlord as a as a you know a devotion carer carrying card. Tons of things that care about life gain, uh, like your epicure of blood. Uh, you have uh, dread presence, which is actually I believe reasonably important. So yeah, no, lots of lots of fun things, but it's a little expensive. Vito is you know eight and a half dollars. Villas Villas is great in this deck. Is uh, $9.99. I need to take out some cards and something in here. So, what's a Frexian Reclamation? Oh, Frexian Reclamation is like when you sack a creature, you can put it back in your hand. Um, yeah. So, you get to do lots of cool things. Um, yeah. Uh, Lux, any, any thoughts on, on Timurat here? Honestly, it looks like a pretty cool deck. Yeah, I mean, it's a little combo-y for me, so if you don't like to combo, then you may not, this may not be the deck for you. Um, but there's certainly lots of good pieces in here that you can make use of as you play to really, you know, upgrade your deck if you need to, or keep the price under control, so a lot of flexibility. And so, some of the, the pieces that are more expensive are already, you know, headed, and what am I talking about? Anyway, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Anyway, um, but yeah, no, oh, it looks like fun. You can do a lot of cool things. The price tag's a little high, a little combo-y, but a, not a not a bad not a bad starting point. The light, the probably the lands, probably the the, the, the one that's a little bit light, um, and it's a little expensive because we have the Nykthros Shrine to Nyx in it because you kind of need to play it if you're playing mono black devotion. So yeah. Anyway. All right. Nothing else, Olux. Pretty much wraps it up, huh? Nope. All right. Let's, let's, wrap it up. let's wrap up this week's show. Okay. So, folks, before we say goodbye, uh, reminder for the giveaway, here's how you enter. So when the show goes live on Twitter, I'll probably post the show to Twitter, and you can find it there. We ask that you follow us already, that you like the tweet, and you retweet it with the hashtag, hashtag EpicEXPCast. All right, just like in our, in our Twitter handle. So that way I can find you, put your name in the draw, and then see what we see what you can win to try and, you know, get you that. So 
Um, we will be running that until, let's see, how long are we going to run that now? We ran it last week and again this week. So let's say we're going to run it as far as uh, November the 11th, and we'll announce the winner on the week of November the 14th. So that week, the show, whenever that comes out, we will uh, we'll uh, announce the winner for the show. Uh, sorry, for those prizes, November the, four, uh, the week of November the 14th. Okay? Well... So that's going to wrap up this week's show, everybody. Thanks so much for stopping in and spending some time with us. We really appreciate it. If you want to leave us some feedback, by all means, you can always email us at theepicexperimentpodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you want to reach out to us on Twitter, you can always reach out to us at, at epicexpcast. That's us. You can also find us on Twitter, tw- uh, sorry, on Instagram using the exact same um, handle, epicexpcast. Uh, if you want to find all of our decks, including the Timoret deck or a deck from last week or the week before that, you can always go to Moxville.com and check out all of our, our decks. Please use the username, the Epic Experiment Podcast, all one word, to try and uh, track us down. Uh, and as always, regardless of where you're listening to us on your favorite podcast app or whatever, please like, comment, subscribe, follow, whatever it is you need to do to help spread the word out there a little bit further that we're here and we're talking with you guys, Commander, almost every single week. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. We'd love to he- have people participate with us. So please, please, please uh, join us and uh, share what you're thinking. Uh, next week, we will look at m- more of what's happening in the world of magic with a particular eye on things that are happening in Commander. But until then, this is the Epic Experiment Podcast, wishing you the best wherever you next play magic. Thanks very much, everybody. Take care. Have a great week. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks very much, everybody. Bye.